right, we're up. <laughs> we're up for discussion. Yeah, welcome to our next episode. As you can see, we are not in our normal location in the studio because we have a special guest with us today. Um, I'll go ahead and cut to the chase. It's Mattel Patriot, and that's what he's known as on his social media. We um, also know him as John, and we're excited to uh, kind of breach this um, imaginary line that the church has drawn in the sand. A lot of leaders we are reading about in your comments from our Previous, uh, yeah. program last week where we talked about the church and its relevancy, and you, you're, you're sharing in the comments that a lot of the leaders um, have said, no, we're not going to talk about anything going on in the world because we need to keep religion separate from politics and government and what's actually happening. And as you know, the narrative that's out there is just um, so fake. And so such a lie, such a lie. And so we have to dig a little deeper to have access to truth. And through our digging deeper, I think it started with Johnny. He, um, how did you hear of, of Patel Patriot? You know, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think one of our friends sent, I think Leah, you know who I'm talking about. I think she sent uh, to me and said, you got to really check this out. So I began looking at it. I was like, wow, this is really, really well done. And it's a whole long series. We'll let him tell about it in a moment. But the Devolution series, uh, I think I read right up front, like one through 13, which if you read it, you'll know that takes a long, long time, even if you can read fast. And then he's developed it further. And just his work is, uh, the seriousness of his work is to be applauded and uh, for those of you who follow me on Elijah streams, you've heard me mention him two or three times, but it's an important work. And so we want to um, uh, we, we wanted to welcome him to talk with us about it. And we consider it to be uh, a, a very important uh, thing to do. Now, Elizabeth just mentioned you know, some churches don't want to, you know, no, let's just have church. Let's not talk about real things. Well, that literally is what would be the definition of irrelevant is when you decide yeah. whatever really matters, we're not going to talk about it. Let's just do that literally would be the proverbial kumbaya land where we just doing religious exercise and trying to make sure so that we can avoid controversy, that we stay outside of the public uh, domain of conversation of things that really, really, really matter. And as we're... Um, as we're introducing John here in a moment, just to say, you know, there are different perspectives. I've been writing from a prophetic perspective, wrote a book over two and a half years ago, The End of the World as We Know It, speaking about Trump's key role in where we're going and all this and giving kind of updated prophetic perspectives uh, every week on Elijah's stream. And then we've heard and we've talked before about this military intelligence personage named Q. And there's been many people who have been getting information from him. And um, and then what's so good about John that we're going to have here is he's getting it neither prophetically nor from Q. It's literally from researching the executive orders that President Trump has done and doing so in a, in a very... Uh, intense, well-done way. So yeah. I suppose without further delay, let's bring on. Hey, John. We're so glad hey, you're Hey, John and Elizabeth. 
Okay. <laughs> yes. We're excited Thanks to be audience. And you may look familiar to some because you've been on Elijah Streams with Steve Schultz. But um, we're, we're happy to have you today for part of our discussion. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. All right. So what we want to do, we want to hear a lot from you. Not that we're going to stop interjecting and interacting, John, but you know, this devolution series, we want you to lay out from the beginning kind of just your process of discovery and what you've gone into. And, you know, there's a suggestion that the 2020 uh, election was, it was known ahead of time that it was going to be fraudulent. Uh, President Trump knew that himself. And so the question is based on him knowing that because he said so multiple times, it's going to be the biggest, uh, you know, greatest fraud perpetrated on the American people, et cetera, et cetera. Did he do something about it? And of course, my perspective, I said, I believe uh, just from my interaction with the Lord that he did do something about it. And you have an entirely different uh, sourcing, as I was saying before. So tell us, start where you want in this process. Especially as for if, those. Yeah, as if we have an audience who knows nothing about what we're talking about. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, for, for me personally, it all started, uh, you know, I was never into politics. You know, I kind of started following superficially around 2018. Uh, I came across a, a Brian Cates thread, if you guys are familiar with him, and it was all about Spygate. And it, it really got me uh, first looking into things. because It just seemed so exciting. It was surreal. And then, you know, I, I kind of stayed superficially following. I never posted anything. And then, uh, you know, leading up to the 2020 election, like everybody else, I was so confident that Trump was going to win. And you know, after the election night stuff happened and, you know, they declared Biden the winner a few days later, I was pretty uh, surprised and flabbergasted. But then at the same time, I was like, OK, well, this was clearly fraudulent. Trump said it was going to be fraudulent. He's not going to let Biden assume office. Right. So same thing. Fast forward to January 20th and and Trump actually walked away. I was just dumbfounded. And so, you know, it, it took a little while, but eventually I started uh you know, trying to figure out what was going on. So it just, it didn't make sense to me. And I'm a, a pretty logical thinker. And when something doesn't line up, I, I try to find the answers, right? So I came across this, uh, I was on this obscure social media webs, website and there's a couple of guys I was following there still. I think it was Brian Cates that I actually followed over there. But there's another guy posting about this devolution topic. And he's a very smart guy, but he, he was just posting, you know, tidbits here and there. And then if anybody would ask questions, he'd kind of give you a hard time. And so I didn't want to, you know, really interact with the guy. So I just started researching it for myself and started posting about it and it started to pick up steam. So that's when, uh, you know, I, I was encouraged to start my own Substack and telegram and that's what really got me to where I am today. But the, the theory itself, like you said, if, if you know, right, right before in your intro, you guys were talking about the narrative, right? The narrative is all lies. Well, that goes back decades. When you, when you look at this, the media, they've been, you know, implementing their, their narrative to push their political agenda with the Democrats. I mean, for decades, Trump specifically, this this narrative warfare, we'll call it, um, it, it got really ugly in the summer of 2016 when they started, you know, branding him this this Russian agent and colluding with Russia, right? Wow. And that's the narrative they they tried to perpetrate to steal this election. That didn't work. They kept pushing these false narratives throughout his entire presidency. And then, you know, fast forward to the COVID, that narrative, they were using that to steal the 2020 right. election. And, and Trump knew it was coming. He, clear, he clearly he told us so many times that, yeah. that this was coming. And so when you start looking in hindsight at a lot of the stuff that happened around the 2020 election, uh, it, Trump was basically telling us and, and also all the evidence is there that we were put into this, this continuity of government environment. 
and it was based in in the context of of war. And so, what a narrative warfare it, it's it's a type of a regular warfare which is operated by the special operations unit. Okay, so there's an annex to our national uh, security strategy that was released a month before the stolen election, all about irregular warfare. Then the election happens; it's stolen. Right after Joe Biden is declared the winner, Trump makes all sorts of personnel moves at the Pentagon, yeah. and a lot of them are, are focused on irregular warfare and special operations. Yeah. And then uh, the, the big one is the December 7th of, of 2020, Trump issued an executive order along with a strategy document, and it was Executive Order 13961. And this was an entire executive order based on his authority as a, as a wartime president, and it was implementing and executing the continuity of government plan. And, and that's what devolution is. It's, it, it's Trump, you know, seeing that we're in, in the face of the stolen election, you know, if, if he does something to prevent Biden from taking office, it would result in, a, in, in some sort of civil war just because of, again, the, the, the media and their grip on the narrative and, and how divisive things were at the time. Trump really had no choice but to walk away. But by, when he walked away, he, he implemented this, this devolution plan, which, which really, I think, is, is primarily to, to protect our, our, our national essential functions. The big one is, is likely just us being invaded in, in some yeah. form. And while Biden is in office now, their whole goal is chipping away at, at, at the narratives. Again, it's, it's, it's all about delegitimizing Biden to get us to a point where Trump can return. And let me jump in just a second there to make sure people are picking up on that. So December 7th, so there's a lot of numbers there, but December 7th, in other words, after the November 3rd, 4th election, yep. if you think Trump just walked away, then why is he going for these executive orders that are very far reaching uh, in what they entail and and why would you then think his strategy for those again those accusing him of, of the january 6th insurrection attempt which they know is a lying narrative right or a january 20th uh narrative as well he knew the route he was going to have to go and it goes into this devolution uh theory you had so i just want to make sure not yeah i say theory what it's almost yeah. truth where does the word devolution come from yeah. what what is yeah, it, I want to make sure it, I'm thinking the right thing when you say that word. Yeah, it, it's a it, it's an old word. It's been around for a long time, but specifically with <laughs> excuse me, with continuity of government, you know, it's in the United States, continuity of government's been around since like the forties, the, the Cold War, right? There's threat of of nuclear war with Russia, and so they needed contingency plans in case we were nuked, so that our country could keep moving forward with our government, right? And devolution is just a type of those continuity of government plans, and it's it's essentially devolving your authority, so. Imagine like um, probably the best example I can think of is you're, you're the CEO of a chain of restaurants, right? And there's, you know, there's 10 different branches. You're the CEO. You make all the financial decisions. You make all the personnel decisions. You make, you know, every decision that goes into running this business. Well, if you're going to devolve your authority, you're essentially handing those authority decisions down to each of the branches. So each of the branches are doing them on their own. That's what devolution is. Trump devolved his authority as president and likely as commander in chief to multiple different individuals or, or groups and, and some of them might not even realize that they're working on a devolution plan that's how compartmentalized our, our military is you know you could have two guys and <laughs> sharing a cubicle and neither one would know what the other person is working on but they could be working on the same thing you know what i mean so uh, wow. th that's what devolution is it's devolving authority and i like the word devolution it resonates easily with me because i grew up in in the mission, on the mission field in Peru, South America, speaking Spanish. And so there's a word, devolución. So it's actual a word. It means to give 
to give it back. So give it yep. back. So every time I hear devolution, yeah, give it back. And of course, we know that's ultimately what this is all about is power back to the people is what this is all about. He understands it's yep. not power back to the government, though there has to be some government leadership there in order to give the power appropriately back to the people. So, so you started researching and you discovered these executive orders. What, what did, how did your theory kind of unfold for you personally? That would cause you to start actually writing about it. Yeah, well, when I when I first started the series, you know, I, I've discovered what the other gentleman was writing about, right? And it, it was a, a few of those key personnel moves right after Trump took office. Then there was also the story about this defector from China, and the reason that story is so interesting is because he came here, and he's the most the, the highest level defector in in history, and he comes to the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is the military intelligence agency. And none of the other intelligence agencies knew about it. And the Biden administration didn't even know about it because right around that time, they were having those the, the Sino-American summit up in Alaska. And the, the China was like hostile with, with America, like CNN was covering it. And, you know, they said the first day was really bad. Well, apparently they were asking for this defector back. But Secretary of State Anthony Blinken had no idea about him. So how is it possible that the supposed commander in chief of our military, Joe Biden, didn't know about the highest level defector from our greatest enemy in, in China? Right. So. Those are really the, the first um, couple of pieces of, of things that I had when I started the series. I didn't think I'd make it really past three articles, but then I kept digging into it and, and I just, I kept finding more stuff and there, there's just more stuff that it's like every time I finish an article, I think, okay, well that, that had to be the last one. There's nothing else out there, but sure, sure enough, something else falls in my lap. I'm up to, I'm up to 23 now and I have, I think four addendums as well. So, I mean, there's just so much evidence. And would you say it's it's evidence for what? Like, how would you lay that out beyond what you've just described? Yeah, I mean, so, so first of all, that not only did, did Trump know the election was going to be stolen, but he knew there was going to be a, a foreign element to it. And it, it was going to it, it was an act of war. Right. We, we've been in this war and, you know, th there's so many different avenues or, or ways you can look at us being at war. You could we could be at war from. COVID itself, if, if Trump considered it a bioweapon, which he, he did, he told us that, you know, yeah. we were attacked. It was worse than Pearl Harbor, worse than right. the World Trade Center, you know, and he's, he's considered himself a wartime president. You can also look at just interfering in our elections as an act of war, because the, those election infrastructure is considered critical infrastructure. And any attack on our critical infrastructure is an act of war. And we have, you know, the, the head of Cyber Command who's told us that, too. And then also, I mean, just looking at when you look at a regular warfare, and this is where my focus has really shifted just recently, my last two articles, uh, because when I discovered that that annex was added on October 2nd, the irregular warfare annex added by it was put out by the office of Ezra Cole and Watnick, a huge name to the devolution series. If, if you, you know, yeah. we, we can maybe get into those players, too. But the fact that he put it out and then I went back and looked at, at some of the other stuff that Ezra was connected to early on in Trump's presidency, I mean, We've been in this irregular warfare against the mainstream media and the political establishment for, like I said, decades. And all of Trump's presidency was this battle for the narrative. But how, how do you properly compete against, you know, how, how do you compete for the narrative when your enemy controls all avenues that the narrative can be, you know, put out there? They, they control the media, big tech, social media, academia, Hollywood, everything. And so that's where, you know, even this last couple of articles, I've gotten into the, the Q drops because... I'm not a follower of Q myself. I haven't, I've seen drops, but I haven't read through them all. But just objectively looking at, at what it is, it's, it's a huge weapon in, in, in an information warfare environment. 
Definitely. I mean, there's no doubt that, it, that to, to me, I, I, I do believe it was part of whatever Trump and their team was was doing to counter the narrative because it, it definitely accomplished that goal. Yeah. Well, and so you you fill in the gap here, but essentially what you've discovered through these executive orders, especially the December 7 one, it, I believe it essentially created, I don't know if we want to call it a an emergency government it could be called shadow government of some sort, but immediately that would function uh, side by side, simultaneously, despite whatever else looks formally to be. So next to the Biden administration. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it's something and that there's no, and there's no timetable and no budgetary limit on how long it can function or how much it costs for it to do what it has to do. You fill in if that's correct or somewhat, Correct. Yeah, it's it's pretty close, and so there there are still gaps in the theory because we don't know specifically what what Trump did. There's there's a level to this that you know he likely used what are called presidential emergency action documents, which are the, the highest level, you know, highest most classified documents the president has. It's like his best tool. Something happens, he has a, a draft executive order waiting to, to implement it, and, and those we might never see. But what, what continuity of government is, especially from the military perspective, is you're, you're tasked with maintaining what are called the national essential functions and there's eight of them and you know there are things like maintaining a visible leadership in the world you know maintaining the economy uh protecting um the three separate branches and and our constitutional form of government and you know just making sure that the united states doesn't get attacked or defended right so when trump implemented his executive order on december 7th again as an outgoing president supposedly who lost the election he implemented this continuity of government executive order and uh, what he did is he reprioritized or he allowed them to reprioritize those national essential functions. And we don't know how they did so. And so I'm, I'm speculating based on everything we've seen, we don't really have much visible leadership. Our economy is tanking. Our right. constitutional form of government seems to be failing. I mean, pretty much a lot of those national essential functions that are listed have been you know, collapsing, except for we haven't been actually invaded yet. So I'm assuming that but, you know, we don't know where Biden's control ends and, and Trump's control really starts. But it seems like a lot of it is, in, is somewhere in the military. I mean, just based on like the Ukraine situation, for instance, it, that, that's Joe Biden's honey hole. That's the, the deep state's honey hole. Like the, the, exactly. the, it's the center of corruption. If they could, they would send our military in there to have them stop whatever, right. whatever Putin is doing. But they haven't done that yet. And then also, you know, you look back to. Right after Biden got in, one of his promises was, I'm going to get back into the, you know, the, um, the Iran nuclear deal, right? And as they were having negotiations, the, the, our, our military was bombing Iranian-backed militia. It doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's a contradiction. And the fact that we haven't even gotten into that deal at all, which, I mean, Iran clearly would get back into that if they could. Biden said they wanted to, but we haven't yet. So what's going on? But yeah, we, we don't know where Trump's control begins and where Biden's ends, but it's, it's likely somewhere in the military. And their main thing right now is just maintaining our safety while yeah. the, the legitimacy of Joe Biden's presidency is, is dismantled. And, and a lot of that, I think, is, is coming to an end here with, with this election stuff coming out. Are you about to say a question? Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think that's, that's correct. Yeah, the, the whole Ukraine... Uh, situation is really if you just go deep deeper into it and think about it rationally you're like how could we there's several things how could we look this week have this week of a leadership this week of a military presence we're afraid of everything and anything we can't even 
remove, uh, we can't even get out of Afghanistan correctly. We give up billions of dollars of weapons and arms. The, the weakness that is shown is so much so that you would assume we would have been invaded and taken over almost if it wasn't for the fact that you go, I think somebody has a more powerful, real military that keeps the bad guys from doing such a thing. And so there is, in a way, it's kind of like they got control. I believe the Trump team has control of the macro while they allow some micro matters to to take place partially for the awakening of the American people to what's taking place, because the worst thing to do would be to be rescued by this plan, by devolution, and not really know enough about it and have felt enough the dark side of what was being attempted and actually uh, you know, done to us so that it has to be redone in three to five years because there's deep uh, you know, forgetfulness. And so there has to be it has to be severe of enough, yeah. uh, severe enough of a situation in order for that to take place. So, and again, part of what we're doing, we can't go into all of it. It would take him just to do devolution one. We take the entire program, but we want, when we're done, we're going to be telling, do we want to tell a couple of times about his? Yeah. Is it's devolution.link where they can find yep. the article. Yeah, my website. And then people that um, don't want to read it, but they want to listen to it. I think there's a way they can hear it. Right. Yeah, so on, on the website, uh, devolution.link, it, it lists all the articles and it goes in order. It starts with the introduction and it goes one through 23 and the addendums are mixed in there. But you can either click article or reading. And if you click reading, uh, Patrick Gunnels will, will read it to you on Rumble. Uh, that's good. So if you had just uh, a couple of questions that Elizabeth sound like you were coming up with one too. If you had just one of your devolution series, like somebody's like, okay, I can't go after them all. Just one. Had you thought through your mind which one you would lead them to say, okay, just look at this? Yeah, so about, I was like 20 articles in when I finally wrote the introduction to devolution article because I felt like that's what people were, were looking for is, you know, I don't have time to catch up and read all this stuff. I just, I need something that'll be, you know, the synopsis here of, of what's going on. And so that, that would be the one, an introduction to devolution because it goes through the, the basis of what continuity of government is, you know, how we're at war how Trump had the authority to do something like devolution and, and how things are, are playing out. And so, yeah, that's definitely the article I would get into. And then you've had a, at least, I think, a couple of in recent interviews with Greg Phillips, who we were introduced to through the 2000, we were introduced to personally, but the world, the 2000 Mules documentary. And I've just seen a couple of clips and uh, it seemed very interesting as well. Out of that interview, that you had with with him, did did you extract anything that would further encourage you on, we'll say, on the devolution theory? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, and that's a good question because, uh, first of all, for the longest time, like I've been trying to reach out to people that have that I've been writing about in my series, like Cash Patel or you know Christopher Miller, and pretty much all these characters, even Trump. I've reached out to you know his team requesting interviews because I want to interview these people, but. You know, they'll go on all these other shows, but they won't come on mine. And so <laughs> I actually reached out to, to Catherine Engelbrecht, the other, you know, star yep. of, of 2000 Mules. I'm and she, 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 she turned me down. Yep. And so that was discouraging. And then like a week later, Greg Phillips was finally on, on True Social. And I think I sent a message to him or something. And he's like, yeah, well, we'll get you in. And then he responded again, like, oh, you're 150th in line. So it'll be a while. And I was like, okay, well, great. They're, he's, they're avoiding me, too. 
But then like two days later, Greg Phillips comes on my show and it just, it was magic how it worked out. But yeah, he, he dropped a, a couple of bombshells about, you know, there, you know, 2000 mules was big and, and that information is coming out, but th there's something else coming. That's going to be 10 times bigger than, than the mules. Right. And he said, said that, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's international. It's billions of dollars that we've been betrayed by our government and it, it's going to change how we, you know, view our elections forever. And so that, that's a huge, huge bombshell that, that he said he's coming out with. But then also just uh, last week, I think it was last Wednesday. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still kind of battling this cough here. Uh, last Wednesday, I interviewed uh, Jovan Pulitzer. And he's brilliant, too. I never would expect to get him on my show. But it was the day after he released his report or presentation, report number one to, the, to Arizona, all about how that Maricopa County ballots were, you know, fraudulent. And and so he told us too that, you know, he's he has a multiple reports coming out, uh, and the third one is the big one where he's gonna he has the actual final vote tally of Joe Biden versus Trump for legal ballots, and he said that's going to be the final one, but it's being timed for its release, and I got him to confirm that it's being timed with with some other things, and so I'm assuming Greg Phillips. So I also kind of asked about both of both Phillips and Pulitzer if, if Trump was aware of what's going on and if he was in the mix and. Just based on their non-answers, you kind of get the vibe that, yes, Trump is is well aware of what's going on. And so to me, I've been saying since day one, this has been a a, a battle for the narrative, right? We're, we're chipping away at the, the mainstream media and their grip on the narrative. And, and one of the, the biggest, most important ones is the 2020 election and how they've been telling us this was the most secure election in history and that Joe Biden was a legitimate winner. When the truth of that comes out, that's all Trump needs to, right. to, to reveal the devolution stuff and come back. And so I think it, something is, is coming here soon and it's being timed and coordinated. And, and I've been saying for a while that I, I do believe Trump, it's just my opinion, but I believe Trump makes his return prior to the midterms, or at least the mechanism for his return is, is initiated before the midterms. Maybe he takes a seat with the rest of Congress in January, but I think that's where we're headed. Well, that's super encouraging for Johnny and I, because just on the spiritual side, without being ones who've done the research that you've done and made the connections with, with the kind of people that you've talked with, um, we, that's just what we've been sensing, you know, in our spirit way before, like right after, um, Biden won. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So my question is, I guess, going backwards just a little bit, sure. if, if you were to sit down with someone and you had five minutes or so with them and they literally had no clue, like they just have been taking everything at face value, what they're hearing in the news, and they think everything is just the way it appears. How could you give without you having to prove anything or give background? What would you tell them as here's a potential theory so that if things actually played out the way, even close to the way that we're talking about, it wouldn't be a total shock to them. Like, what would you, what's, what's your narrative that you function by yeah. right now? That, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I mean, I still have friends of mine that are, you know, they're, they're Republicans or conservatives, but they're not tuned in. They're, they're pretty apathetic. Right. They haven't been affected by a lot of stuff, but they're, they're starting to get affected now. So when, when I try to like get people, you know, I don't, I don't want to go all in and start talking about devolution with, with people that aren't ready for it just because right. you'll, you'll scare them off. And so you, you start asking questions like, 
man, have you seen the economy lately? Like what, what's going on? You know, like get, get them thinking about the economy, gas prices, stuff that hits home home to them. Like, oh, what, what, what's going on with this, you know, baby formula shortage and, and start getting them to like question things. And then it, that's, that's, what's huge right now is, is especially the economy stuff with, with the, the economy tanking and, and so much uncertainty, things are not looking good. And I think it's like you said before the show, it's probably going to get a little worse before it, it gets better here. But, um, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's where I start with. And then if they start asking questions, that's where I'll, I'll engage more fully. Cause a lot of these people know what I do, but it, when it comes to red pilling people, it, it, it's, it's almost like an art form. Like you, yeah, you gotta be very delicate. You, you gotta handle them with, with, with kid gloves, right? You gotta plant the seeds and then let, let somebody else water it for them. Like yeah. let, let it click for them on their own and then they'll come back to you. But as long as you kind of give enough to show that you, you might be aware of what's going on, you know, like maybe maybe you ask him do you think trump knew the election was gonna be stolen i mean he talked about it like months beforehand right and you know see what they say see if they say anything some some of these people they're gonna you know especially if they're democrats previously they're not gonna be yeah happy to be wrong you know nobody's happy being wrong but those are the ones that you'll get hostile responses from but, but yeah i mean that, that's such a good question you, every person you deal with is different too you know i i don't know if there's really one solid answer for how to how to red pill people or approach people with this well, I guess what I'm asking, which that was good to hear also, but what, what I was getting at is if you didn't have to worry about what someone was thinking, you're not trying to red pill them, but you were just trying to like quickly put into like, like, what is the narrative that you're operating by? What, what's, I mean, I could kind of jumpstart it for you that, that yeah. there was, there was a team that was working behind the scenes potentially for decades to prepare for the shift that we find ourselves in now like is, sure can you synopsis what where i don't know if i'm making sense what i'm asking <laughs> well I, I think i know what you're saying i, I mean okay. I, I, I don't know about decades i can't quite prove that okay. you know <clears throat> um there, there's evidence that trump was encouraged to run by the former joint chief of staff joe dunford in 2015 but i i believe early on in trump's presidency presidency 2017 a group of people from that General Flynn brought into the NSC, they were working to help weed out the, the deep state. And the, they were successfully fired by a deep state member, McMaster. And uh, I think sometime around then, that's when they implemented, uh, you know, their, their counter moves and their, their moves trying to win back the narrative. Okay, so this is 2017. This is in August 2017. A couple months later, the Q drop started, which is a huge shift in the narrative warfare. And this narrative warfare has been going on the entire presidency. And they knew that the election was going to be stolen from Trump. And Trump knew about election theft back in 2012 when he was tweeting about the Romney and, and Obama election. He knew that they were going to steal that. He knew how they stole it. Um, he, he knew about the machines. He knew about the mail-in ballot fraud, the ballot harvesting, all this stuff. He, he's made comments about it all throughout his, his, his career, dating back to 2012 and all throughout his presidency. They knew it was going to be stolen. They knew they had to let it happen. And they knew they had to implement devolution. So, I mean, this whole thing has been orchestrated. You know, maybe not decades, but for sure going yeah. back to 2017. Yeah, does that kind of answer the question? Yes, and and then along the same vein, like what it, what else? What's the narrative you're currently operating by? So that's the foundation of it. What yep. is that a question again? Yeah. Like, wait, I don't even know what you mean. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I think my my narrative is that that Trump Trump knew the elections would be stolen. He's he's working right now to delegitimize Joe Biden and the mainstream media, and this is going to culminate with 
with the diamonds being returned, I, I do believe yeah. that the, the election will be rectified in 20, the 2020 election will be rectified in some fashion. That, that's the narrative I'm, I'm operating under. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and part of my stance has been controversial as well, because I'm not even just saying he's coming back. I'm saying he's never left. And that it is, but it's hard to explain because it's never left in a different way. He's not, the way I continue to explain, I said, he's not in Biden's seat. I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you the seats that you look at, you think are the power seats, the Biden seats, the Congress seats, the congressional seats, the senatorial seats. They're not the seats of power. They're the ones that are being puppeteered. And he has moved to the real seats of power and he's working behind the scenes there. Of course, there's a part of that. I don't want to overstate it because we're not really, if you overstate it, you're not wanting people to feel so secure that they do nothing because that's part of the whole reason. They're not, probably why they're not talking with you and like, ah, you're a little too close to the truth. Uh, John is why you keep getting, why you're number 150 or, you know, you're not getting, they're like, uh, you're a little too close. We're trying to do this red pilling little by little and, and you're going straight for it. But it's so interesting to me what's just taking place in the last week with the Roe v. Wade ruling. And this goes, goes into a question here as well. But just for me, an obvious thing, how can the biggest ruling in 50 years of the Supreme Court, the most explosive, I mean, it just depends who's making that judgment call, but we'll say for a whole lot of the population, you find out a lot of people you didn't think even cared all of a sudden supposedly care, care about it. How does that happen under the most liberal? It's not just um, liberal. It's dysfunctional, borderline communistic um, presidency and everyone around him. We're at the point where you even have the attorney general department of justice making statements and the Pentagon, suppose his, his side of the Pentagon will say Biden's side of the Pentagon. No, we're still going to make abortions available. Biden making like you're like once you hear everybody in government supposedly that represents him making comments against um, Roe v. Wade, you're like, well, who was who was working it? Who pushed this thing forward? If this was so at every position power, if the presidency, the FBI, the DOJ, the attorney general, if everybody is locking this thing down and controlling, how in the world do they push through? How does this ruling? get advanced in this kind of kind of climate unless things are not exactly what seems to be, you know, if things are yeah. what seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, th yeah, yeah. Think about it. I mean, some, some of the most, uh, you know, most conservative rulings we, we've had in, in generations have been pushed through just the last like couple of weeks. You had the, the Roe v. Wade, you had the second amendment uh, situation, and then you had the, the West Virginia versus EPA. How is some of this stuff coming out now? Like you said, under, this presidency and administration doesn't make sense. And you know, if they could, they would pack the courts and, and change all this stuff, but they haven't been able to do that either. Right. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It kind of shows that there's, there's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't quite fully have a grasp on, you know, obviously I think some, something like devolution, but I'm um, going back to a, a further comment you made um, about, you know, Trumping president, never really leaving. This is where it, it's kind of a fine line with, with, with devolution. And again, it comes back to we we don't fully know exactly what Trump did. In one of my articles, I even theorized, and I don't like to theorize or speculate very often. I try to let the 
the public documents kind of speak for me. But every now and then I'll, I'll speculate what might be happening or you know what I think is happening based on what I've researched. It's possible that w- what if Trump saw this election theft coming and he suspended the Electoral College vote altogether? You know, if you think Abraham Lincoln, he suspended habeas corpus back in the day at, at, during the Civil War. Trump had the authority and and if he saw that we were at war, he could respond however he wanted. He could have done something like that too. But again, it just kind of goes to show we don't know exactly what Trump did. But the way I view things is is Trump Trump isn't president anymore. He devolved his authority and he, he's, he's likely serving as more of an advisor. And Biden, you know, he assumed office and he's he's doing things that are, you know, he, he has some, he has some form of if you want to call it power, but I think a lot of it is just being allowed to happen because of the the, the red pilling effect that it has. You know, like a lot of these you know overreaches and the stuff at the border and his economic decisions, all this stuff has to be pinned on Biden because it it delegitimizes him and it moves people from their camp to our camp, and that's what needs to happen right now in devolution. And so I you know I don't really technically believe he's fully president either because he wasn't fraud or he wasn't legally elected. But um, another thing that there's a huge misconception with with devolution, like you kind of said, all these people, they're talking about, you know, you got to get involved. You got to help red pill people, wake people up. There's a big push from all these key individuals about, you know, local action, national impact. And that's a big part to devolution, too. I call it the devolution sandwich. Trump and his team, they implemented devolution and it's going to kind of fix things from the top down. But Mm -hmm. arguably, the more important part of that is what we do to take our government back from the bottom up. And and we'll meet in the middle. But a lot of that is, you know, getting involved in your local elections or, you know, your local communities, helping red pill people spread the word. People need to wake up. That's what they're waiting for is enough people to be awoken so that when the, the final, you know, information or, or the truth about the election fraud drops, there, there won't be that civil war that would have existed on January 20th. Right. They're trying to m- minimize the damage here. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a role that we play in this. And, you know, knowing devolution or something is in place or believing it's in place based on the available evidence <laughs> should encourage you to, to want to get involved and, and, and help Trump and, and help move, move things along. So. So, yeah, don't be apathetic. Well, and well, yeah, we have, so no, that's really good. And that's part of even a core message that we have called the seven mountains. The seven mountain mandate is that we have an assignment not just to have good church meetings, but to um, be those who receive solutions from heaven for seven primary spheres of society, media, education, government, economy, family, arts, entertainment, religion, but the kingdom of God is meant to show up in every one of those places. And so sons and daughters have to carry his salt and his light. That's why in his very first message, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. They were looking at him. He was the light of the world. He's like, yeah, I, I, I am, but you're made in my image. You have to carry who I am. You have to carry the good part of who I am. And you have to carry it because if you don't, darkness will be overwhelming. So he said, so let your light shine before men so they may see your good works glorify your father, which is in heaven. And so that's like outside of the church concept and context that we have to uh, show up and allow um, and, and allow the good that he brings through us to, yeah. to, to rule. But where I was going to go with that is sure. there is, you know, I don't know, somebody... I don't know, even Greg Phillips said something about, uh, there's, a, there's a, a term, a thousand um, battlefronts. There's a thousand battlefronts that we have to stay positioned even, uh, even afterwards. Even if you get, whether it's Trump or whoever else would be officially there in that position representing the good guys, the expectation that we had will say, 
if we look back at November 3rd and 4th, like you said, you're super disappointed in January, super disappointed. We'll say most patriots are like, oh, I thought he was going to get this done for us. He didn't pull it off. And it's like, well, you can't maintain or sustain victory. You can't sustain freedom in a nation if you're not willing to occupy in a practical way Monday through Friday. You have to now be the people that are willing to pay the price and be in, you know, city uh, councils and the commissions and mayoral offices and electoral boards, all these places that we've not thought, particularly we'll say Christians, have not thought as important. It's like it's more important to be in church and try to get people saved. And so we've allowed that to be taken over and run entirely by people who knew it was important when it comes to elections and that an election ultimately determines who's going to be in there or not be in there. And so they just they just filled. That's what 2000 Mules kind of exposes as well. You have these mm-hmm. NGOs and you have all these, uh, we'll say lesser, you know, nobody who's famous, nobody who you would know about is occupying a key position in government. And those are the places we have to now Uh, We'll say this patriotic majority now has to be willing to fulfill a role there long term, no matter when the good guys, no matter Trump and whoever else is there, no matter who's in there. They can't keep they can't keep the enemy out of every place if we're not willing to, in a long term way, position ourselves to also be uh, warriors for freedom. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I would, you know just in case someone's just hearing the whole seven mountain thing for the first time, when we say like here from heaven solutions, we're not talking about just ethereal spiritual matters. We're talking about like showing up like Jesus did, but in a practical way serving. And I think that we're in a generation where I believe that um, public servants are really going to become public servants again, that, that will truly serve the people and won't be there because of any other reason other than to serve and represent the people. Um, I have a speculation question, but you might've wanted to first comment on something he said of the chance. Yeah, for sure. So I I think, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, a lot of the reason Trump had to walk away was to show us what's been wrong. And that's kind of what we're going through right now is we're, you know, we almost have to suffer a little bit to kind of learn our lesson, right? Like if, if you touch a hot stove and if it doesn't burn you, you're not going to be afraid to touch it again. Right. So, we need this stove to be pretty hot because we, we've we've had our hand on it for a while and it's 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 definitely burning us, but we haven't felt the pain from it yet. Yeah. These people have infiltrated us. They've made our government so convoluted and hard to understand and difficult to follow. Like there's so many rules and loopholes and all these people in places that we don't even know about that are making these, you know, huge decisions and they're affecting all of us. And they've been stealing elections for who knows how long. So right. it, this stuff, it's not an easy just overnight fix and it's not something Trump, you know. At the time, we're all thinking like, hey, Trump needs to fix this. He better fix it before January 20th. But in hindsight, the, the way he did it by walking away, it was, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. I yeah. mean, there's, you know, in, in hindsight, the way things have unfolded up until now, it's, it's, it's been a precision dismantling of, of the credibility and, and legitimacy of Biden and the media. It's, it's been beautiful to see. But, but yeah, what, what was your question? So I'm, I'm not going to ask you to prove anything. I'm just going to see if you're willing to go out on a limb and just speculate a little bit. Sure. Based on things that you do know about, um, one would be, um, okay, moving forward, would it make sense to you that at some point there has to be some big reveal? There has to be to some degree like, okay, this is what we've been doing. Yes. In other words, the devolution theory is correct. Yeah. So that's a, 
that's an interesting question and it's one i've you know <laughs> I, I don't know how to answer because i obviously i want them to come out and be like yeah we, we implemented devolution and, and this is what happened but here's the thing the, the, the way things have unfolded you, you know trump all this is about the optics right the narrative and Trump needs to avoid the narrative that this was a coup or a military takeover of any kind. And I think if he just comes out and says, yeah, I never really left, you know, I, I implemented this this military and, and devolution plan, it, it might, the, the, the optics might not look the greatest. But I think the way that he think he set things up, especially with how the election narrative is, is changing and, and there's so much more to come, that he there's a potential he could pull this off without having to, to pull in the military in any way. But like if, you know, I was interviewing uh, Jovan Pulitzer and asked him a question like, do you, do you think decertification of 2020 is still on the table? And he said, no, I don't. But I think maladministration is. And, you know, he explained and he, he, it took a couple of minutes, but it's, it's in the interview I did. I, I encourage you guys to all go watch that because it was a great interview. You guys brilliant. But he said that there's precedent for if you can prove that the, uh, the election was maladministered or, you know, not administered properly, then you just have a rerun of the election. And so he, he still thinks we can rerun 2020. And his evidence is going to the Supreme Court, he said, too, which is another kind of uh, um, illuminating a bombshell, you might say. So I, I still think, and I've, I've speculated this before, I think that this is probably where it ends up. You know, I, I said before that we're going to have states decertify, Congress isn't going to accept it, and somehow this is going to get to the Supreme Court and they're going to rule either a new election or Trump just, you know, just should have won the election. Who, who knows? But if maladministration is the path, then maybe that's how we how we get there too. I don't know, but there is stuff coming here in the next you know weeks, months, whatever it is that is being coordinated and timed. That it's it's whatever it is, it's gonna it's got to be big because you know we're the country is failing. Something big has got to happen before the midterms to, to kind of kick things off, and so and I think we're getting close. So how um, again, you know, speculating is it? And I, I, because I haven't read the devolution series, I, you may touch on this and you can refer us to that if, if you do, sure. but related to, um, the deep state, how the deep state has been financed and the connection potentially to, um, human trafficking and sex trafficking and, you know, what potentially could be happening on a much grander scale than we as a generation have ever realized. Do you, do you feel like there has been a kind of a, a very strategic intentional underground, not literally underground, but behind the scenes war against all of that connected to bringing down the deep state? Yeah. So the, the, the sex trafficking stuff is, you know, I, I I've seen some of the stuff out there. I haven't done a full deep dive into it. I, you know, I'm almost afraid to, because I've heard stories and I'm very close to a lot of people who followed Q from the beginning and they've kind of filled me in on what it is. And it's, it's real. It's hard to argue with, but you look at the stuff Trump did in his administration, you know, countering a lot of the, I mean, still to this day, you see news reports, like, you know, hundred people busted in this sex yeah. trafficking ring takedown. I mean, the stuff exists out there. And a lot of the stuff was, you know, that wasn't, you weren't seeing those arrests under the Obama administration or prior ones, but you started seeing it a lot during during Trump's administration. I do think, you know, we're at a point in this country where it's pretty obvious that one party here is kind of the party of death, pro-abortion, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And the other party is party of life. And, you know, that's that's one of the decisions we just saw last week or, you know, a little over a week ago. 
it's um it's a good versus evil evil type of thing and yeah yeah, i mean i think that's kind of where you're going with that question is i I do think there is a larger kind of broader um you know battle that's been going on and you know in in my series i more so highlight the the military intelligence versus the, the prior administration and and their intelligence community allies you know like like the uranium one scandal right that was clearly that compromised our national security that was the the clinton foundation receiving money and hillary clinton approving the sale of uranium to to russia and and, i mean clearly our national in our military would not be okay with our administration at the time the biden minister or the obama administration allowing that to happen but but it was i mean how many other examples of those type of compromising national security situations happened that the military wasn't okay with yeah and so that's where you kind of get the the michael flynn versus you know the, the brennan and clapper and all this stuff that that's where you know i've gone with the broader battle but i i do think this is something that's gone on for years and years i mean you can go back to there, there's a series out there called the prussia gate series and they go into kind of the origins of this this deep state battle and, and like dating back all the way to the original 13 families and where it started in prussia and in history throughout i mean it's it's very compelling and very well sourced and it, it does appear that this battle has been going on for a lot longer than than just trump's presidency so do you have any um theory or speculation on potential military tribunals going on behind the scenes yeah i haven't seen any evidence of that um you know that's something i get, I get asked that question quite a bit you know is mm-hmm. hillary's already been arrested she's already on her tribunal and she's been executed i, I don't know if I, I don't believe any of that's happened yet, but with what's been going on at Gitmo, it, it, there's a, a real potential that that's something that we're going to be looking forward to, but it, but it's impossible to say for sure, but they are adding on to Gitmo. Biden said he wanted to close it. It was a deal that was set up under Trump and it was the, the way it was set up was brilliant because the, there's nothing the government can do about it. It's up to the contractor to re-up the option every year for five years and they keep re-upping it and keep constructing and nothing they can do. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think there's a lot of stuff going on that um, we don't know. We we may or may not find out about it. Yeah, I, back to a couple of questions ago. I think that's something um, we'll say the military team, if we call them that, that is overseeing how this all unrolls, rolls out. I think I can see where there's, you can go, you know, both ways, it's like, well, if the people don't know exactly what they just got rescued from, what was being attempted, then the lesson doesn't get, yeah, you know, doesn't get drilled into them multi generationally. So, they're, in some way, they do have to let them know um, enough where it's like, oh wow, we really did get rescued and saved and from something horrible. But then, I it does seem like they're also you know, the approach is to uh, do as much as possible without just eliminating institutions. And, uh, you know, we see the picture like what really happened, what's going on, for instance, Twitter. OK, if you look at them being a mouthpiece, almost like a Goliath of the deep state, and what they allow and don't allow. And then all of a sudden you have somebody operating under entirely different guidelines and principles like Elon Musk. And you say, Okay, how did that happen? And so you wonder all you know across the board how many th- you can see there's a preference towards not just demolition of everything. It's sort of like remodeling a home. 
do you do you tear the whole thing down? Everybody knows about it, or you just have you know you have some curtains here and there, and we're remodeling here, and uh, you know yeah. tarps set up over here. I think that's what's going on. So there is evidence something is going on, um, but not everything. I think part of what did come out of uh, Q Communications is that they would, you know, really it does validate listening to Q stuff from uh, four years ago. Five years ago, what was being projected and told is like it has just been uh, fulfillment yeah. after fulfillment after fulfillment of it, and so you're you're like, okay, this really is happening. But part of the Q communication said it's going to be, I think it was forty to sixty percent, forty percent reveal, sixty percent not reveal. So they were that they had agreed that hmm. basically we would be ultimately allowed to know 40%. And part of the statements Q made is if you saw it all, 90% would, it would send them to the hospital, the trauma. Sure. He didn't, he didn't say that, you know, he didn't go on to ex explain why they would go to the hospital, but the assumption was it would be so shocking what actually had happened, who actually, um, you know, what stories weren't actually real, who actually was bad that you think was good, which of you, like it would just be too much. And probably if you think globally, because this is a global part of, I think, what yeah. for some people process that I'm very much in touch with because I, I have uh, friends in multiple nations all over, including in government, that this is a global operation. And so when you find out, if you reveal too much, you find out the origins of certain nations don't even have validation. And like it, it's it, it's a total psyop. And so then what do you do? Do you, you try to work with? Yeah. And I think, you know, all those things I, I say, I don't say, I think maybe perhaps those who are willing to do the deeper dives of research like you would find out more than the 40%. But I think the population in general are going to know enough, but it's just, it's interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how much is revealed, you know, like, you know, whether or not they revealed the devil, the, the devolution stuff, stuff, that's one part of it. But as far as the corruption and, and some of the stuff that our government's been doing, I do think we're going to see quite a bit of that revealed. I mean, the Durham investigation is going to reveal a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. I think they're going to reveal a lot of the election stuff and, and the foreign involvement. I think I think that stuff that has to be revealed in order for us to to fully you know weed out the bad actors here. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just whether or not it, it, the way Trump returns, if they're going to reveal devolution, that's that's um, that's that's it's up in the air. We'll see if they'll reveal that or not. But I do think a lot of the corruption and stuff will be will, will be uh, revealed to us. Is there anything that you're currently working on or researching into that you could give us a teaser? Uh, no, that's that's a good question. So uh, after my last Revolution article, 24. no, I interrupt you. Yeah. Say Revolution twenty four. No. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm on. Um, I I've got a couple different paths I'm I'm looking at. I haven't chosen one yet. Nothing's really stuck out to me. So um, typically, after I write an article, like I said, I I pretty much feel like I'm done until something kind of falls in my lap, and I haven't had anything really fall in my lap yet that's really jumped out of me. So, um, you know, I've been working on my shows and working on interviews, uh, working on my script for my next, uh, I have a guy who, his name's Adam Riva. He's from Dauntless Dialogue. He, uh, he, he does these documentary series based on my articles and it's unbelievable how, how good of a job he does for, for people who don't want to sit down and read the articles. You can watch these and, and they're literally a Netflix quality. They're so good. It's called the vault. So yeah, give you to, that. Adam, what was his name? It's it's dauntless dialogue. So if if you go to Rumble 
and search the channel Dauntless, D-A-U-N-T-L-E-S-S, Dialogue. It has all five of the Devolved series on there. The, the most recent one just came out a couple of days ago, Devolved 5. It was so good. Oh, wow. But, um, but yeah, so I, I recommend watching that. And But I, I've been working on the script for the number six. And so, you know, until until I find out what I'm going to write my next article on, I, I, you know, do whatever work and research I can. So do you do this full time or how how can we support you? Yeah, f- full time. So I, I was when I started this, I was fundraising for a Catholic school system and it, it was tough. You know, like I, had, I have two young kids. I was working that job full time and then I was trying to do this stuff after the kids went to bed and it just got exhausting. A lot of late nights and early mornings. And it's so I ended up jumping into this full time. And, uh, you know, you can support me by subscribing to my Substack. That's probably the most common way um, I, I have a. You know, nothing I put out there is behind a paywall. I, I felt the information is too important. I never want to charge somebody to have to read it. So it's all available for free. If, if people want to support me, they do it because they, you know, believe in what I'm doing. So um, Substack, $10 a month. Or uh, my Locals channel, it, you can get through through Rumble. Because I do I do my own show on uh, on Rumble twice a week. Uh, that's every Wednesday hour. night. Yep, the Power Hour every Wednesday and Saturday night at 9.30 Central. And I also have a what's called the Liberty Den with a couple other people on Friday nights at 9 or 8 Central, I think. But yeah, if, if, if you go to Rumble and click underneath the, the pagers, like the Patel Patriot Locals, and that's probably the other best way to support me. Okay, we're going to put those links up for everybody. Um, I don't know what Substack is, so I'm sure there's some in our audience that are older <laughs> like me that don't know. So how do you find Substack? Yeah, so if you go to devolution.link, yeah. And click on click on one of my articles. It, yep. It'll that's it'll take you to the Substack link, and in there, there's places you can subscribe. Okay, great. Well, and you mentioned the Prussiagate um, series. Um, yep. How would I find that? that? That's if you um if you just go to like DuckDuckGo or whatever you use for a search engine and type in uh, Prussiagate mm-hmm. Substack, it, it'll okay. take you there too. And I have a couple links. Uh, I should post that again to my True Social. That's where you can follow me too. I'm on um, social media, True Social. I'm at at Patel Patriot, one, you know, just one word. And then uh, Telegram, t.me forward slash Patel Patriot. Great. All right. Well, we're we're almost um, out of time here. We want to give you a chance to get a last comment, but I want to just say thank you again. Yeah. You're doing um, You're doing the work of God, not instead of him, but. Anytime you're bringing, because you're doing a combination of two things, truth with hope. There is like uh, depressing truth where it's just too much. Um, it's too much just telling on, as I'll tell the stories, like the biblical story of when the spies went and spied out the promised land. It had the 10 spies saw the giants and they came back, said, we can't do it. It's horrible. They're just giants, giants. And Caleb comes back and says, no, 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 the giants will be bred for us. So there's a different way to look at what's taking place. And you've looked deep enough to see the cause for hope as well. And so it's not, you know, just so much so that we could stay asleep. So there's a call to no, let's, let's wake up. Let's get on board. Let's participate in our society's awakening. Let's participate as salt and light in a practical way. And so you're giving you're hope. It. And yeah. so, uh, but truth, the truth telling because it's based on serious research, credible research. I think yeah. that's why everybody who who actually reads what you put together go, oh, wow, that's hard to shake um, because it's so well done. It's so thorough. It's so conclusive. Again, we didn't even go into how many executive orders did you do the research on? 
Well, I've, the Federal Register is like, I think, 1,200 that Trump issued. I've, I've been through the Federal Register like probably yeah. 10 times now. I've read through all those executive orders just looking for nuggets. Wow. Well, so yeah, he's treasure hunting there. So anyway, we want to thank you very much. I don't know if you want to say anything else to him, Elizabeth. Yeah, I especially appreciate, Don, how you um, you make it clear when you've researched something, where the source is versus when you're speculating. And very few patriot voices actually do that. And so it makes it really hard to know where to put something because there is room for we're all going to speculate. We're all going to have ideas and wonder what's going on. And the more time they give us, the more that's going to happen. But it's really nice to know like, okay, but let's get back to the facts. What do we actually know? And that wouldn't happen if you weren't a person of integrity and you pursue truth like you have. And I, I know that you've taken, I can just assume we've taken a lot of hits um, because of that. And so we just, you know, as our, our little tribe here, we just cover you and we just declare you are, you are protected in the Lord's plans and his future for you is, is just like the future for this country. It is the best is yet to come. Yes. And God's going to get the last word on all of these things. And that can, you know, concern all of us in our nation, but that also concern you and your life and in the ways that you are sacrificing right now to give us um, access to truth. And it's created a option for sanity in my mind, because, <laughs> you know, it's one thing to be married to a guy who's, who's super pr- prophetic and God's just he's had this journey with the Lord his whole life of just getting a sense ahead of time for some things that don't even make sense to our natural mind. But then especially in a situation like this, when it's just gone on and on and on to have voices like yours that are, um, you know, you've, you've done research that has allowed some confirmation for us while we're in this place of waiting. And so I will forever be grateful to you for that. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's so, very humbling. It's an honor to have you on here. And um, how, is there any other way that we can serve you? I will put these links up and we do encourage people to, um, subscribe, join everywhere that you can. And obviously when you're in a place of influence like this in the media, the real media, the more people that you can show have following you and all, it gives you more, more opportunities, more credibility, all of that. So we want to help surround you in that way. Devolution.link. Yeah. Is there anything else? Devol- no, that, that was great. You guys, this has been awesome. It was a pleasure to, to talk to you guys again. And really humbling what you guys said. I, I appreciate it so much. You guys keep doing the good work you're doing too. All right. Awesome. All right, John. Blessings on you. The shield of God over you and yours. And we look forward to another opportunity to connect in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. <laughs>